Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Heroes Podcast, and I am super excited because today we have Nicolene Peck coming back. She was with us on our launch day, and we did a short little podcast on that day, and we were talking about how um, what we usually do in parenting is we focus on the kids and we try to get them to change their behavior, but where it really starts is focusing on ourselves and having a change of heart and seeing what's really going on and listening to our kids and going on our own journeys to be able to see where, how that learning process works and how we can learn to be calm when we deal with our kids. And I don't even mean deal with, but I mean, when we parent our kids, deal with is probably a negative connotation I shouldn't be using here. Sorry, but <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, but just to introduce Nicolene a little bit, I found her about 15 years ago when I was just really struggling with my own kids. I was yelling at them. I was um, trying to make them do things and it was not a good time, but I just didn't know what else to do. And I also just felt like I had to make them perform. Otherwise I was going to be that fail mom out there. And it was one of those things where I just didn't want to be like that. In fact, about this time I picked up a book called, I didn't plan to be a witch. And that kind of summed up my life at that time. Anyway, so I found Nicolene and she is an amazing parenting expert. She runs Teaching Self-Government. She has a podcast called the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. And she also has an amazing system that's based on being calm and teaching our kids how to govern themselves. And it is amazing. So I'm hoping, Nicolene, that you can tell us maybe a little bit more about how you got into this and also maybe some of the basic foundations of your system today. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I always tell people that I was just a mom trying to be the best mom that I could be, minding my own business, and then all of a sudden people were like, could you please tell us how to be better at being moms and dads. And could you please come speak here and do this? And I, I was like, why is this happening to me? And <laughs> I really did not want it at first, to be honest. You know, you get the little inklings early on, like, oh, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. My dad was a public speaker. He was a play director. He taught communications on a collegiate level as well as in high school. And, and so I was very familiar with dad and when I was little, I would get these little feelings like, watch him. Not, not necessarily listening to every word he said with the topic, but watch what he does. And, and little did I know I would turn into a, a world public speaker. Um, you know, I just started raising my children. They were little. Um, my husband lost his job. And I prayed. I'm a prayer. And I prayed and asked God to just help me know what to do to raise my little children because I had two at the time. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old and I knew I needed to stay with them. I had worked real hard to get away from my career. I mean, we're talking moved to a different city so that they wouldn't call me anymore because they were so reliant on me at my work. And Anyway, and then he lost his job and he was switching careers and everything was crazy. And the answer was, hey, take in troubled foster children. So that's what I did. I took in youth ages 12 to 18. They were all level three treatment kids and had a myriad of problems, ADHD, OCD, ODD, RAD, kleptomania, compulsive lying, anger control issues, all that kind of stuff. And then people started asking me to teach because they saw these kids change so drastically in our home. And then in 2009, the BBC made a documentary of our family. And after that, well, there's just no rest, you know? So <laughs> that's what happened to me. You, you make that all sound so easy. Uh, yeah, I, I decided to just take in troubled teen foster kids. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I take action. I mean, when, when I'm like, okay, what, well, what's the truth here? I always look at the underlying truth. The truth is these two little children just came to me. 
right? They're both little babies still. And they were given to me. So I must need to have a big role in their life. And I feel very driven to have a big role in their life. And so that was the truth. And I thought, I've already made money. That, that was whatever. And so now I need to just figure out how to stay home and do this other thing and still be able to help my husband and support him as he goes back to school. And so I'm just going to, when you say it sounds kind of magical, like it all happened. I mean, I just call it providence. Like I didn't plan it. It was just one of those things that did happen to me. And little did I know what that one decision to, to stay with my kiddos and try to be the best mom to them would do for the rest of my life and for my whole family for the rest of our lives. We didn't know that we would be international people, speakers, authors, YouTube channel, um, you know, stuff all over the place. We had no idea that we would be part of what we've been part of had no no clue well and i love your courage too because most people had they gotten that answer would have been like are you kidding me i don't know what to do i don't know how to do this and so i mean i'm assuming you got you you got a little help along the way here too to figure out how to make this all work with with troubled teenagers in your home yeah, we did. So we worked for a place we call the Youth Village. That They were the facility that brought us the youth. And they actually did some fantastic training. And when they gave us the training, it was intense. Um, many days, many weeks, a, a lot more than normal foster care training that you would do. And when they gave us the training, it was, I was like, oh my word, I've created that skill set for myself. And I thought, oh, wait a second, I learned that when I was 14, you know? And so it was like, things kept coming back, but I also went, how come people don't know this? And I remember after the first night of the training, looking at my husband and saying, you know, before people bring babies home from the hospital, they should have a training like this so that they know what they're doing. Not that they'd probably listen right then anyway, I don't know, <laughs> but it was just a thought that I had. And I haven't been working with hospitals in case you're wondering. <laughs> Yes. Well, kind of, but yeah, I think you probably <laughs> usually work when the kids are a little older. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. But I, but I did feel like, oh, they need this. I didn't know I'd teach it myself at that time, but it was funny, like little seeds, little pushes, like, hey, you should tell people. And then when, when PTA groups, support groups, church groups, people started asking us if we would do trainings for parents, it was like that little seed had been planted. And I was like, well, okay. And I thought it would be super short-lived but once you star on a bbc television show and it becomes their most watched episode that they ever have um it uh it just never ends that's basically what happens so and then people start screaming for books and so i've written 11 books since then and um write for a lot of different uh, magazines online uh, periodicals stuff like that and and speak at a lot of different conferences and stuff around the world and do a lot of other work behind the scenes in my spare time to try to help um, protect parental rights to protect um, children from being exploited sexually and stuff like that so that's i mean it's led to more areas than i even realized it ever would lead to actually well, I love how you've taken this journey because a lot of people, when they, when they see these things come up, like you, you, you had some struggles initially because you even said you moved away so you wouldn't have to go to back to work and you were trying to figure out how to be the best parent, you know, and, and I love how trusting you were with the things that came into your life. And then now you can look back and you can say, oh, that's what that was for. And oh, that's how that fits in. It's all those connections. But at the time, we don't always see those. And, and I love how you just move forward, trusting that that was your path and just doing it and, and being that person of action, even when it seemed maybe kind of weird, you know? You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things you could ever teach a person is how to know when they're truly being inspired and when it's just something they want. There's a difference between those things, you know? And, and so when you, when it's a, when it's like, Oh, I ought to do this. This is what I was meant for. There is a certain kind of a peace that comes with that. When it's just something you want, there's usually lots of worry 
and there's usually lots of and you don't even feel brave enough oftentimes to take this step and now I know there's personalities that we have to factor in and you know some people are more just brave than others or feel like they can step out of their comfort zone better than other people and stuff like that and I definitely was raised that it's okay to step out of your comfort zone and to not know what's next if it's the right step you take the step I mean I definitely was raised that way but I will say that I mean you know that's that's also something I was taught. Like my dad taught me that. My mom taught me that. They they taught me, listen, when you feel like you were meant for something, you you have to do it. But there's also there's timing too though. And I think that's another thing a lot of parents miss. And you probably know this, Molly, because you've done a lot of things over the years, but there's timing. Like sometimes you get a good idea like doing a podcast. So I, I was told to do a podcast back in, in uh, 2008 or nine by one of my mentors. That was like when they were just starting out. And I was like, I don't have time for that. I don't have that extra time. And I just knew right then was not the time. But now I have a podcast. And it was the time, right? And I waited years for that, like over 10 years before it was finally the time to do the podcast. And I think a person has to also learn just because it's meant to be doesn't mean it's meant to be immediately. And that's another thing. And so I've just allowed myself to go along with the journey of things and do it in the time that it's supposed to happen, not necessarily on my time frame, and just trust that everything will work out. And that's the way it works with every mission we're engaged in. I love that. And I, and I think you're such an amazing example of someone who has gone on their own journey. And, you know, that is what I teach is about going on your own hero's journey. And part of the hero's journey is learning how to listen to those calls to action and acting on them. And so we try to fine tune what is this, you know, even first recognizing that we're getting calls to action. Because when I first started thinking about all this, I didn't even think I would get any good, you know, ideas or whatever, or any good thoughts to do anything. When I started paying attention, I started finding that, oh my gosh, I'm getting tons of good calls to action every day to do good things, but I'm ignoring them. I'm rationalizing them because I was not brought up to step out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but that's what I want to do for my kids to step out of my comfort zone so that I can help them do the same thing because that's part of what going on your own journey is all about. And I think you're totally right when you say we need to learn the difference between if we're following our path and we're being inspired and we're trusting, or if we're just going after our wants. And it's not that we can't want what's on our path. I mean, if it's a good thing, oh, yeah. you know, we can go after that too. But when we start going into that fear and that worry, it really does sidetrack us a lot for sure for <laughs> sure and like well let me just share so many people come up to me especially women okay but sometimes guys too but they'll come up to me and they'll say hey can I talk to you about you know just like can I have a little bit of mentoring for like my mission or helping me with something like that and I'll say sure um and so I'll talk to them and what I recognize for not this isn't everybody of course but many people what I recognize is that everyone thinks if something is worthwhile, somehow it has to get the notice of the entire planet, that the whole world has to know, <laughs> okay, and that you have to do something that is noteworthy to society's standards, such as writing a book or being on a program or being on the radio or, or you know, publishing whatever, something you have to have been on the right stage or in front of the right people. Now, all those things have happened to me, but the difference about me was I never actually sought for those things. So there's a difference, right? It just happened to me. And what I always tell people is I always say, there are multiple different missions you can have in your life. And Molly, I know you know these. Um, these are in every every great book you can find, you know, if you're a scripture reader, they're going to be there. They're in lots of great books, but your hero goes on these journeys. So you can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, comfort the lonely, teach the ignorant, create beauty, liberate the cat, 
captives and preach the gospel. Okay, so there's eight things that you can do. But what I talk about in my uh, teaching self-government parenting course and in my book, Parenting a House United, is I talk about how being a parent, people don't realize this, is all eight. All eight. That is like the mission of all missions, the purpose of all purposes. And so what I tell people is I say, what you don't understand is that what happened to me happened to me because I already was focusing my whole heart in on that parent mission. That was my focus. And when your focus is all in on that mission, that I'm already a parent, I'm going to put everything I have there, then you'll end up learning so much more and you'll end up with a whole lot more to say about other things too. I, I love um, great, great professor, prolific writer, uh, Cleon Skousen. He, he wrote so many things about family, trying to help his own parenting, his own children. But what is he known for? Lots of principal stuff, political stuff, things like that, that he wrote. Um, but people don't even focus on the fact that he wrote all these books about raising boys and, you know, raising sons and stuff like that. And it's like, cause he was teaching himself that and he wanted to be the very best at that because that truly is the purpose of all purposes. And so, you know, if there's people listening to these podcasts down the line and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a mission. I don't have a purpose. There's nothing glorious about me. Well, there's a whole lot of self-evident glorious potential that any person can, can grab onto. Um, you're, you're born a woman. What does that mean to be the best version of that, that you can be? You happen to get married, you have children. What is the best version of those things that you could possibly have? Those are self-evident evident parts of our identity. And when we really magnify and capitalize on those, then we are truly living our real purpose and potential. So people, I think, make it too complicated and they, they add society's standard into the principle of truly becoming the hero in your own story that you're meant to be. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times we say, you were meant to change the world, but what does that really mean? It doesn't mean you have to go out and change, you know, huge things. It really does start at home. And I know there's like a good quote, but now I can't remember it. So we won't go there, but yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, so like me changing yeah. the world. So, so I am having a global impact. Okay. That's true. But my whole goal was just to change my heart. And so that I would, practice the principles and the skills that I knew were true and teach them to my children too. That's my whole goal. The whole way along, that's my goal. And if it turns into more and if I can share it and if I'm supposed to, then fine. But if it's just for me and my family, that still changes the whole world because they will have relationships and posterity and it moves on and they know people and all of us have people we rub shoulders with. So even if I had no children and it was just me changing my own heart, I would be able to spread smiles and goodness with other people. And that would literally change somebody's world. So I think we get, you're right. We get the wrong view of it. It's a, it's a worldly view instead of the greater, deeper heart view or spiritual view that we should be having when we're thinking about our real uh, meaning and, and destiny in our lives. Right. And as we go on our own journey, it's really not all about um, killing a dragon except for our own dragons. Really. Yeah. You know, it's really all about more like our transformation. It's more about us becoming who we're meant to become as we um, look at ourselves and, and we have messes and it's okay. But as we get through our messes, that's what becomes our messages, message to other people so we can help them. And that's, yeah, that's really to say otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the pattern. I know if we were already perfect and we were this, you know, Superman with no kryptonite, that's not really reality because we're not the ones meant to go save people. We're the ones meant to help people. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, people will say things. Oh, well, Nicolene, that's easy to say for your family because your family's perfect. I'm like, wait a minute. That has never been a statement I've ever made. <laughs> My family is not perfect. People make mistakes. They make bad choices. We work through them and we stay united as a family. We're calm and loving and bonded and we talk well together. Yes, but we're not perfect. And, um, and but the point is perfect is in, in my mind, I mean, perfect is that we know how to solve problems and that we have invested in our relationships. And, and that's really, it takes time. It takes deliberate effort. And I think people, when they want problems in their families fixed, they want them sometimes to happen immediately. And, and sadly, you know, those types of things aren't immediate fixes because changes of hearts can take some time. Well, I mean, we live in an instant gratification world. It would be super nice if we could just plant a money tree in our backyards, if we could solve, you know, every problem like that. But we know that's not part of the learning process. That's not part of the journey, you know. But you have made a nice transition here for me to ask you, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your system and just maybe tell us a little bit about the foundations of it and how this works to be able to teach our kids how to govern themselves. So. Yeah. Sure. You have to keep nagging. <laughs> nagging is a very bad behavior. Yes, very. A lot of parents get into that, and nagging just means your tolerances are way too high, which means you're putting up with all kinds of things that you shouldn't be putting up with, and you're not correcting soon enough. What that probably also means is you need a better skill for correcting, and, and we can help with that. So I teach self-government. Everything I talk about relates to self-government because it is a principle of of freedom. It is a truth that, that every person is set free if they learn to master themselves. That is a truth. And so the definition of self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you, you can control them. So that means that the person... Yep. I say pause right there. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to be going around thinking about that, but yes, give us the easier version. Yeah. The easy version. Uh, the easy version is that a person understands cause and effect. So they understand this type of action creates this type of effect. I tell lies. People don't trust me. Right. Cause and effect. I yell at my children. My children don't trust me. Cause and effect. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, I whine to my parents. My parents don't let me do as much. Trust is, is hooked into a lot of those things. Um, but then the second part is I analyze myself and I say, what am I doing compared to who I ought to become? What, what do I know I ought to do? And then what am I doing? Okay, now I've got to make a better plan for myself. So a person who's self-governed, they make a plan for themselves and then they evaluate their progress on that plan and then they adjust and, and fine-tune their plan as needed in order to reach the desired version of themselves. And they know that when they are constantly changing themselves, working on their own skills, and sharing those things with other people in calm and approachable ways, then those things spread to everybody. So it's really taking personal responsibility for yourself and then choosing what you're going to be thinking about and how you're going to be acting and, and managing your own emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So like, let's say, um, let's say I get a feeling inside that is like, um, my husband doesn't care about me. Okay. The little thought pops into my head. Um, like I, I told him to do something and this never happens right to anybody. I told, I told him to do something and he doesn't do it. And he doesn't even acknowledge that I said anything. Let's just say that that could happen at somebody's house. Okay. Um, and then happens to me and the reminder is still there. <laughs> okay. So no, this is a common occurrence because we're all humans. Okay. So, so let's say this happens and I, and I, I feel frustrated. Okay. That's my feeling. I feel frustrated that he didn't acknowledge me and that he didn't, um, you know, do what I, what I said, asked him to do or whatever. Okay. So that feeling at that moment of feeling, I have a decision to make. I can either choose to 
crypto emotion, because emotion and feelings are two different things. Feeling is I feel frustrated. Okay. But emotion is different. I often get criticized for talking bad about emotions and people are like, Oh, all emotions are good. And I always say, no, wait a minute. <laughs> feelings are okay. And everybody's got them. And I can say, I feel frustrated right now, or I feel whatever, but what you do with your emotions can, can bond to a person or can attack and hurt a person. And so we have to be very careful with our, our emotions. Okay. Um, and they can be, they can help us, like I said, bond to people like love and stuff like that can help us. Um, but there are other emotions like contempt that just damage our relationships that we have to be careful about. So anyway, at that moment, I can choose to think, or I can choose to just turn that feeling into an emotion and then unload it on somebody else. Either way, there's usually a thought process that happens right before. So I might say, he doesn't care about me. And so then I can go, I'm going to feel emotional because he doesn't care about me, right? He's not listening to me. He doesn't care. Or I can think to myself something else. I, I could contest that first thought that pops into my head and I could say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He is super busy. Like he's working on this project outside and maybe this is a bad time for me to, to ask him to do this. Maybe I could just do it myself because maybe I actually have more time to do it than he does. Or maybe I can just wait until it's a better time to get his help with this and I can show patience because that's better for our relationship than me showing frustration. But do you see, I have to contest it. I have to think it, which means I have to move that to the front part of my brain and I have to sort it. And many people don't want to take that extra 10 seconds or whatever it is to do that sorting in the front part of their brain because that could make it so that they don't get to show their emotion and, and showing emotions can be very addictive. So anyway, what I do now, that's, that's way more detail than I thought I was going to share with you, but, but uh, let's back away from that. Anyway, so, but, but you, I hope you see what I'm saying. So when a person self governs, what they do is they stop themselves and they think before they get to the place of dumping out on somebody else. And if they go, wait a minute, I do need to talk to him about this. He really isn't paying attention to me and I need to help him know that I need him to pay attention to me because maybe that's another thing that we have to cover, right? So then there's a skill that's in place that I know. This is a skill I've taught my children. It's one of the four basic skills that I teach and it's called disagreeing appropriately. So then I would go to my husband and I would disagree appropriately and I would go through the six-step process for how to disagree appropriately. So, um, and I would look at the, look at him. I would keep a calm face, voice, and body. I would say that I understand his point of view. I would share my point of view. Then I would listen to what he has to say. And we would either discuss it further if needed, or I would say, okay, and drop the subject. I would not take it personally. I would choose not to get emotional about it. This is one of the four basic skills that we teach to children. We teach them other skills too. We teach them how to follow instructions, accept no answers and criticism, accept consequences, and disagreeing appropriately. We teach parents five different teaching styles for how to solve the problems in a calm way so that they don't have to get emotional too and have to have the wrong dialogue in their head. We all have these dialogues. They repeat in our brains, which is why we nag. It's why we get angry, why we turn into witches and monsters, those things like we talked about, um, because they are, they are, just hardwired to go to that place. So we have to wire ourselves differently, which takes some work. And, and I think it starts with being aware because a lot of times we think that whatever we're thinking is true. But if it's going to lead us to a place where we blow up all over somebody and we're not going to be nice, and then maybe it's not coming from a place of truth. <laughs> maybe it's not in our best interest. And that's why when I keep looking at that little project, that my husband did not get around to the other day, which was fine because I didn't need it immediately. Every time that thought like comes in, oh, he didn't do it again. I have to say, that's okay. And just kick it out. You know, I mean, at some point, maybe I will have to ask him again and use the disagree appropriately technique. But for now, I can just keep kicking it out. And it takes a determined person and a consistent person to keep doing that. And I think that's sometimes why we give up you know, too soon. Yeah. Well, and just to kick it out, I like how you say kick it out because, because you're dropping the subject. You're saying that's not a big deal. 
that is not a big deal. It can stay on the piece of paper stage for a while and it's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. You may see the piece of paper and wonder, will it ever happen? But then you can go, but it doesn't matter. And, and it's a way of prioritizing what truly we want to fully invest that emotion into. And, and you know, I'm really glad that you brought up that a lot of people think that if you feel something and you have an emotion about it, the, the truth is you have to let it out. That's actually not freedom. That is bondage. If you feel an emotion and you are required to dump that emotion on another person, that is not called freedom. That is called bondage because something is controlling you. Some chemical in your brain is controlling you. What would be freedom is going, that's a chemical in my brain. I am not going to follow that chemical in my brain. I'm going to make a conscious decision based on outcomes that I would like to have. That is true freedom. I would much rather be deciding for myself than having to feel compelled to follow a chemical response. And that is self-government right there. Right. And self-government brings freedom when we can learn how to control all the chaos that's going on up here in our brains. Yeah, and it is possible. I think this is the thing that some people think, well, that's great for you, but like, that's not going to work at my house, my child, blah, 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 blah. But what I proved, and I think this is the thing that people find the most amazing, is that what I proved on the BBC program and with all the troubled youth that came into my home was that I can take a child who's ADHD, who's OCD, who's ODD, who has RAD and rages all the time. I, I can take these children and I can teach them how they work and I can teach them skills that they need and they actually make progress. They improve. That's why people started asking me to teach in the first place because they couldn't believe it. But even a person who struggles with certain processing can still learn to analyze things and can teach themselves how to say stop to themselves and to their own chemicals. It's harder for some people, but they can still do it. Mm -hmm. And it's so empowering so empowering to learn those skills and to learn how to manage their minds and what they're thinking. And the other part I was thinking here too is it actually ties in with the change of heart. Mm, yeah, it definitely does. For sure. Because they are, their heart is where their will is. And so when they recognize the truth of something, the will is pricked. Once you recognize truth, then you know you have to do something about it. And so then the will goes, you know, I think I'm going to make myself follow the truth. As hard as it may be, even if I have a habit to overcome, that heart ends up leading out instead of that the chemical voice or that body voice leading out. And, and that's a, a key thing. We all have multiple voices within ourselves and our brains are always the puppet. The brains can be controlled by chemicals and the brains can also be controlled by the heart and the will. And so a person can do amazing things if they allow themselves to learn how to control with the will in, and with the heart instead of, or the voice of truth, we should say, instead of with just the next craving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such important information. So, um, this this could be pretty deep stuff for people maybe who haven't ever heard anything like this before because like often when I hear new principles my mind will tend to go to a space where I'm like that can't possibly work like what you were saying this can't work in my home for me but what I found with true principles is until I actually try them and apply them in my own life I can't really know if they work or not and they usually do work, but in ways I never expected before. <laughs> and so true. It, it's just, it's one of those paradoxes of life is that we usually can't see how the truth, true, a true principle is going to work in our life until we actually try it and then keep trying it until it does work. Because there's yeah. a reason why true principles are true. It's because they work. <laughs> 
True, true. And you have to test them. Like there's an element of faith, isn't it? Like where you just go, yeah. okay, well, I feel like that's true. And I've seen it as true in this book. And I've seen it as true in this book and in this person's life. And so, it must be true. So I guess I'm going to test it and see if I can live according to that truth too. Because I'll tell you, what? Go ahead. It, it takes bravery and, and like yeah. courage to, to continue to work towards something that you're not perfect at yet. Yeah, it really does. Because I, what I was going to say was, when I first learned about your system, I thought, I can't do this. There's no way this is going to work. I, I mean, I'm not going to remember what to say. I'm not going to remember what to do. Um, I'm probably going to lose it. And in many senses, I was right. I didn't always remember what to do and I didn't, you know, remember what to say. And sometimes I lost it. But as I kept working on it, because I had that will, will in my heart, that determination to make this work, to become better, eventually it did become better. And I did learn the technique that would work for me in my way, in my family, I have to say, I adjusted your system a little bit so I can make it work for me. But that's what we got to do. Systems are not true principles, but they can be based on true principles. Well, yeah. And I think everybody has to make the, the principles their own, you know, I mean, that's a totally understandable. I never want to control what's going on in everybody else's house. It's never been my design at all, but if it, if it can help, if it can help a person be free, then, you know, that's, that's the point. I love that you're um, so willing to just talk about what it really means to change. Cause what it means is you take a step forward, you fall back because you don't quite make it. And then you do it again and then you do it again and then you do it again. And it really is um, a faithful process. It takes a lot of grit and guts to keep going no but i can change me i can because that's usually the person that they have the hardest time with the parents don't really love the process of changing themselves it it feels very hard even though they're really dedicated to the children changing well i mean seriously sometimes i'd be like oh my gosh wouldn't it be so much easier if our kids just came to us perfect so then i wouldn't have to change uh right <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's because of them that we get to make the best changes in ourselves. I, I always feel grateful that I got to be a parent so that I could learn all the lessons I've learned and make the changes that I've made. So, you know, when somebody starts being hard on themselves because they're not the perfect version of themselves that they want to be yet, just recognize that's not really the goal. The goal of the whole thing of parenting is that through the process, you will learn all the lessons that you need to. And over time, you will have more confidence. But even if you learn the principles at first and the skills and you start putting them in action, even if they're not perfect, you will have more confidence than if you didn't have any skills. So do you have, you know, parents need to ask themselves, do I really have a skill for calmly correcting my children? If I don't have a skill for calmly correcting my children, I might need to go to teachingselfgovernment.com and to get that skill set, you know, to learn some of that stuff. Do I know how to be calm when someone else isn't? What keeps going on in my head? Well, Nicolene has a six-step process for that. So do you need it? Then go get it. And then, and then keep using inspiration just like you always do with your children every which way. You know, it's not my job to tell everybody everything to do. But if they have questions, they, they usually um, find some good places to start and some great skills and stuff with the things that we offer. Yeah, and I absolutely agree too that parenting, the whole point of parenting is not to raise perfect kids, although somehow we just kind of get that idea that it is. And, you know, I guess I should clarify too, you know, I have building heroes. I really don't want you to build somebody who is a Superman, who is perfect, but rather I want you to build up a kid who can take their own journey, take their own path and be their hero of their own story as they're becoming who they're meant to become. So, I mean, it's kind of a subtle difference there, but you know, along the way, it is a learning process and they are going to run into obstacles and, and we are going to, 
need to have skills and tools in our tool belt that will help us move along our path more easily too. And so when we come across skills and, and um, systems, if we can learn those, have them to our backpack on our journey, <laughs> they're going to be so great to pull out when we need those. And yeah. well, there's some skills you need all the time. I mean, yeah. you can't control yourself unless you know how to accept a no answer because they come every day. Every day something yeah. happens you don't like, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes you have to tell yourself no. No, no more chocolate. No, no more of this. You know, whatever it is, no, we're not going to yell. No, start with a no. Then you have to give yourself an instruction. Okay, now this is what you will say. This is what you will eat. You know, all these different things you have to tell yourself over and over again. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And yes, some of the skills are going to be used a lot more frequently than others. And I think the skill of governing ourselves is a very high priority one to learn. Like it's going to be so much more valuable than knowing how to crochet. Not that crocheting is bad, but you're not going to use that one every single day. <laughs> like you would the skill of governing yourself. Right, right, for sure. At least not in my phase of life. Maybe my great grandmother. Crocheting is just what came to my mind because I don't ever use that skill. <laughs> I have the skill, but it just doesn't happen. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. I, no, it's true. We have to make sure that um, that we understand that we're always a work in process, and and we always have to be acquiring more skills and finding the wisdom to know when to use them and the, and the bravery, the courage. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, probably right up front, we really just need to decide that we are absolutely okay as we are. We start where we are. I mean, I remember so many times thinking, oh, this would be so much better if I were more disciplined or this would be so much easier if, if I knew how to do this or that. But that's not how it works. It's like, it's okay to be where you are right now. Because that's, that's the point at which you're going to start learning from. And you've been learning all this time. But sometimes we don't recognize that either. Yeah, there's never any merit in beating yourself up. No, we're comparing yourself to somebody else. There's th that's a fruitless venture. In fact, it only leads to pessimism, hopelessness, lack of action. That's always a bad direction to go. So instead, you have to work, move forward, work, 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 keep going forward. And that's what gives us the hope, really. So whenever a person feels bad about themselves, the best thing they can do is tell themselves, stop, just stop beating yourself up right now. Okay, now your instruction is, let's go forward with hope, okay? Let's go forward and do the next thing we have to work through today because we're going to find success along our journey today. We just have to keep working. And that's, that's the one thing I think a lot of people don't do. Um, but when it comes to parenting, you have to because there's going to be hard moments and you're not going to be perfect every time. Over time, you'll get way, way better at it. And, um, but you won't be perfect every time. And so you have to be willing to say, okay, that wasn't a good moment. So I'm going to identify it deliberately. I'm going to tell the children that wasn't a good moment. I didn't do the correction well because of this. I'm going to redo that and do it the right way so that I make sure I correct myself. And I learn the skills that I need to learn. Just like you correct them, you correct yourself. It's a true principle that it should apply to both people. That doesn't mean they get to correct you, though, because there's another principle called roles. I have a book for that. It's called Roles, the Secret to Family Business and Social Success. And if a person allows the children to go outside their roles or if the parents don't stay within their proper parental authority role, then there's dysfunction in the home. So we don't want to have the, the children correcting the parents unless they do it in a way that's like disagreeing appropriately or something that's determined ahead of time. And that is an excellent book. It really does help to have those roles clearly defined because I think sometimes that is our issue in our minds is we haven't actually decided what's okay and what's good and what our role is. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's an excellent book. Um, you know, I actually love what you were saying is you've got to give yourself an instruction 
because, and it's, it ties back what we were talking about earlier is like a lot of times we just think that if we have this feeling, we have to let it out and we have to stay in that feeling. Um, and that, that doesn't feel good if it's a bad feeling. Right. And, um, so many times I hear moms say, I feel like such a failure. I mean, it's rampant. I hear it all the time. And the thing is, is sure, maybe we mess up sometimes, but maybe that's really just a signal to tell us, hey, there's something we could change here to become better, to move forward on our path. And so I, I like what you said, we've got to give ourselves instructions because otherwise it's just the feeling that is giving our brains the instruction. And I'm not sure that's the best way to move forward in life. In fact, I'm quite certain it's not. You know, yeah. if we just go by the whims of what our, you know, bodily appetites are, you know, let's eat lots of ice cream. I would love to do that all the time. I love ice cream or, um, you know, or if we, um, follow the, the whims of our feelings, we are going to feel like we're tossed around and we may feel like we're failing. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to let that stay. So I love that. Just give yourself an instruction to get up and change something. And I'm actually glad when I see people say that on Facebook, I feel like such a failure because they're reaching out to find a new idea to move forward and do something else. I do think we have a, a real tough situation right now socially. I don't, I don't know if you even want me to go to this place, but I'll try to be fast. But um, we, we have this, we have a, a, tr a, a difficult situation socially going on right now. So there's tons of perfectionism. It's rampant. Um, it started, you know, all, all the, um, all the Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok, whatever, everything that people are viewing nowadays um, is just chuck full of, of perfection, right? And the look of perfection. And how do I even make that video? How, I, how do I even make that podcast perfect? How do I make everything perfect? Everything has to be perfect. And so people feel like if it's not perfect, it's not acceptable. And their standard of perfect is, is getting higher and higher all the time because people's skill level is going up all the time. And, um, and they don't value, nobody values, um, ground floor skill development, right? <laughs> whatever it is, whether it's cooking <laughs> or whether it's, you know, whatever. And so we beat ourselves up because of this perfectionism. But the other problem that we have is it's very socially acceptable to beat yourself up. And, and it's almost, not socially acceptable to tell, to, to show someone a solution in a way um, because the solution could suggest that feeling bad was a bad thing. And so there's, do you see what I'm saying? There's like this, it's this little psychological thing that's going along socially where people end up trapped feeling hopeless because they're also told or the impression is given that if someone shares a solution with you, that somehow they think you're bad because you felt hopeless. And so there's all this um, psychological drama that is happening with everybody all the time. And so I think we need to be just like very aware that all of these feelings of hopelessness are absolutely man-made. And it is 100% healthy. It's good. It's part of the human condition. It's part of the human journey to learn things along the way, to have a bad moment, to find a new skill, find a new mentor or a teacher, and have somebody help you overcome an obstacle. That is absolutely healthy, normal, and the way people learn. People don't have to find their solution all on their own. That is a misnomer of society right now and, and the um, thing that is making people not actually get help and take pride in the fact that they feel bad. So we just, you know, we just need to make sure that we keep that, that type of dialogue where it belongs in our brains. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally agree. You know, I think that's actually one of the, the, that's probably the real pandemic that we're experiencing is that it's okay to beat yourself up and it's okay to beat your neighbor up verbally. Right. It's becoming more socially acceptable. And I'm like, yikes. 
No, actually, because what you focus on grows. So um, how about if we start focusing on becoming who we ought to be and becoming who we're meant to be and moving along that journey? You know, you know it's bullying, it's all bullying. Mm -hmm. So people bully themselves, which is odd, but they do. They bully themselves and they bully each other. And the more and more we've talked about bullying in recent years, the uh, more and more bullying we have. We've actually created a bully culture when we didn't have one before. So um, we do need to examine what our society is doing because in an effort to stop bullying, people actually just did bullying to stop bullying. They were like, don't you bully, don't you bully. <laughs> more bully. So we, we really have a problem. Focus. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I had a friend of mine, she went to visit her son-in-law on a military training you know, campus where the military, a base. Okay. And she went to, she went to visit him and she said, Nicolene, I was so shocked. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I walked around this military campus and everywhere I went, literally every block, there was a sign posted cemented in the ground or slapped to a wall that said no raping. So she's what like, are you thinking about? <laughs> I'm like, she's like, Nicolene, I've never read, read the word raping so many times times in my life. I've never had the image of raping go through my mind so many times. She's like, and I'm a happily married woman with children and whatever, and I would never think of raping. And she's like, so, so maybe there's some people on the, you know, that are having a problem in the military raping. Okay. Maybe that that's a thing that's going on. But she says, but I'm not sure if that tactic <laughs> to handling the raping is productive because if a person sees it plastered everywhere, they're thinking about it all the more. And if they're oppositional defiant and they like kind of pushing against the, then, then they feel all the more like they've got to go against those signs that are in their face everywhere. And, and the same thing has been happening with so many of the issues that we've been trying to deal with in society. We're slapping them you know, on every screen and every messaging and every, and so people are getting over messaged to the point that we are now being counterproductive to so many problems that we're facing in our society. When in reality, um, there should be a call to the heart, to the conscience of the person, there should be a, an appeal to truth, um, what's right and wrong, and it should be done in the subtle ways that the heart listens to, which really comes back to the parents teaching the children. Um, the wise people in society teaching instead of just propaganda and marketing for different things, which is not effective. And we're seeing that it's not effective. Um, but then who's going to listen to me? I don't have a marketing degree. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, but you've got heart. <laughs> well, I'm just seeing it. Like I see cause and effect. Okay. And I'm like, no, it's not working guys. It's not yep. working. Yep. Uh, it's, it's just what you're talking about is the whole principle of don't think about elephants. Our subconscious minds don't recognize no or don't, you know, whenever, if you tell yourself not to think about something, that's what you're going to think about, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the other thing we have to remember with our parenting. So to bring this back to the family mm -hmm. is stop focusing on what you keep doing wrong. Just stop focusing on that. Mm -hmm. That's not you. You have an unlimited potential to be the best version of yourself. So instead, start now focusing on the new words that you're going to say. Reprogram yourself. Learn a new script. That's probably what I'm known for the most is my scripts that I teach, right? So, so learn a new script. Practice it. Go over it again and again. Be deliberate about it. And if you are deliberate about focusing yourself forward instead of focusing on the problems that you already know you have, you're going to get somewhere. But if you always trap yourself back in thinking about all your failings and all of your problems, you end up stuck there. 
and and our society is stuck enough our families are stuck enough we don't need to have all of our emotional baggage leading every family encounter and interaction we need to have who we're becoming lead that and that's where i start in my teaching is who are you becoming as a family what's that family vision for for you where where are you going to be 10 or 20 years in the future and and just starting with where you're going instead of where you've been because where you've been really once you're somewhere else it doesn't matter so you don't have to keep thinking about it you can just drop that subject and, and recognize it wasn't the best moment in your history and move on yep for sure and also stop focusing on all the problems that the kids have because yeah. kids are fantastic mirrors for us <laughs> when we're right when they when they annoy us when they trigger us that is such a good time to say why is that triggering me? What is it about me that I need to look at and change? <laughs> what is it? What's the learning opportunity here? Mm -hmm. And, and, and go there too, because, you know, again, what I said earlier, what you focus on grows. If we're just focusing on all their bad behavior, it's partly because we want to take it off ourselves. <laughs> we don't want to look at ourselves. Right. And, and the more we focus on it, the worse it gets. But at the same time, there's a balance because it's not just ignore it. Oh, right. right. You can't do that. Otherwise, you're not being the parent. That's a problem. <laughs> you have to be the teacher. You have to actually teach cause and effect to the children. Yes, you do. They don't come knowing that. No. I <laughs> mean, sadly, to some degree, we can learn it, but there's a, there's a point where it has to be a deliberate lesson. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just like a baby does not know not to touch a hot stove, right? So we're totally going to teach them that cause and effect, but... You know, somehow we, we stop a little too soon, I think. <laughs> we need to keep going with it and help them understand that their actions and their behaviors are their responsibility, but there are always, um, uh, what's the word here, uh, consequences to anything that they allow themselves to act or think about. So. Totally, totally. You know, speaking of, I know before we get to the end here, you wanted me to probably mention something free that I have for everybody. I have a Calm Parenting Toolkit and it is free. So if you go to teachingselfgovernment.com and you can get that people love this course when they start with this course, it's the perfect thing to help them get calm and to help them move forward with helping their children learn calmness because truly you can't teach all this cause and effect in anger it's like one lie cancels out the other truth so you have to have the spirit of truth with you which means you've got to be calm and if you haven't mastered your calmness yet then the teaching self-government program is a super great place to start Yes, it really is. And I even went over and did the Calm Parenting Toolkit myself because it's always nice to get a brush up, you know, <laughs> for when you forget. It's <laughs> a good idea. And, and, and honestly, you can. You can go through it as many times as you'd like to. There's tons of other resources there, of course, that people you can build on um, for strengthening your family. But, you know, when I think of what you're doing, Molly, and I think of the, the heroes journey that you're talking about with people and helping people build hero children in their children who know how to conquer the hard things. I mean, that's what we're really talking about here. Not necessarily children who are so much better than everybody else's children. It's not that. It's, it's that these children know that they're on a journey and they know that they can conquer. They know that they will learn and they, they know to look for the lessons. And, and I feel like this is a huge thing. And truly, the very first lesson they ever learn is that their parents need and it's learned through the bond with the parents if the relationship to the parents is good is the if the communication with the parents is good then all the lesson other lessons are going to be able to be learned but if you don't have a good relationship and a good open communication if you can't problem solve calmly with your children you're going to struggle helping them become that person they're supposed to be so that it really what we're talking about now is like step number one you know yep absolutely because the whole foundation of going on your own hero's journey is to build your character because character is what keeps you going but you can't build your character when you don't have some of the tools there in place in order to 
have the persistence and the grit and, and to keep going on the journey. I mean, that is character building too, but it helps a lot when you've got the tools for sure. So I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today and chatting with me on this interview. I hope all of you out there in podcast land listening have taken away some great takeaways that you can implement in your life. And if nothing else, really, you just felt hope that there's hope for you and your family to make the changes. I know sometimes maybe you sit here and you look at Nicolene and you're like, oh my gosh, if only I was perfect as her. Well, you know what? Comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> it totally is. And that's where you can just say, okay, wait, I'm comparing myself. I need to give myself different instructions. And maybe those instructions are, hey, why don't I learn a skill? <laughs> maybe I can become better, right? Agreed, agreed. I love, that's a great quote. <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, thank you so much. And we will see you next time on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.